Hi, I'm Paul Stringflow and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, it's all about the experience as we explore the world of digital experience monitoring. So settle back and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to this week's Tech Interviews. Uh, so on this week's show, uh, we're going to be covering a topic that was something I've, I've come across recently and sounded a really interesting, uh, re- interesting area to explore because it's, it doesn't tend to be something that I don't think gets an awful lot of thought across our enterprise IT infrastructure. So, so we're going to be covering this week the idea of digital experience monitoring, finding out a little bit about what it is, uh, why it's important, and some of the impacts of when we don't look at our end user and customer experience when they're interacting with with our IT infrastructures. So to um, help me to do that, I'm joined by this week's guest, uh, Mehdi Daoudi. Hi, Mehdi, how are you? Hey, Paul, how are you, sir? Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, it's great. Uh, thanks, thanks for giving us your time. And, uh, you know, it, it's always great to explore something that's, uh, that's kind of a new topic for me because, uh, really, I, I just do the show so I can, I can learn things. If other people randomly listen, uh, that's a bonus. So, um, so uh, but hey, before we jump in with, uh, with kind of our, our topic today and, and exploring that a little bit, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Um, sure. tell, tell us who you are, a little bit of your background and what it is you do. Sounds good, Paul. So my name is Mehdi. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Catchpoint. Uh, before uh, Catchpoint, we've been around for about 11 years now. We are in the, obviously, digital experience monitoring. But before that, I was at DoubleClick, a te- ad technology company. I was the VP of quality of service and monitoring. So I had a group that was dedicated to building, buying, deploying, uh, all kind of monitoring systems and tools anywhere from data center temperature monitoring to server applications, network, and the whole nine yards. So I did that for about 10 years, had a lot of fun, learned a lot, broke a lot of things, dealt with scalability. That is, uh, you know, I think when I left, DoubleClick was serving about 40 billion transactions a day. So very, very large systems. And uh, I've always loved monitoring because I've, I truly, I've seen that when companies do monitoring really, really well, they can have a huge impact on the business and uh, obviously on their customers. So, so that's what led us to, to focus a lot on the monitoring from the outside or from the customer endpoint uh, perspective. Yeah, and I think that point about monitoring is increasingly important. I think the more and more uh, infrastructure of any kind of type, and I know we're going to talk very much about kind of end users and, and customers with, with what we're, our topic today, but I, I feel that across any kind of um, infrastructure today, you know, we do a lot of work in the data space in, in my day job, um, and having insights, being able to monitor data usage and, and having insights is, is hugely valuable. I mean, is that something that you see in more and more organizations are keen to get insights into their, their entire technology stack? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is a trend that uh, I've, I've seen at least for the past 20 years. It just gets, it's getting more complex just because the systems are getting more complex. Uh, you have now customers that are running on hybrid cloud and hybrid data centers, multi-cloud, different technology stacks, mobile. So you have so many things. And so the, the amount of data that needs to be collected and, and analyzed is just growing. And uh, so this is something that we're not seeing a decrease of. And then you add IoT, you're going to add 5G on all of this. Uh, we are seeing a lot of customers that are spending a lot of time and money on, on edge computing. So that's going to be a big trend. So all of this stuff is going to generate even more data, the need for more monitoring, uh, because it's one more thing that can break, right? So the, the better you monitor it, the, the more you can catch problems before it's too late. 
Yeah, and I think the, the idea of having kind of monitoring tools alongside this ever more complex, ever larger infrastructure uh, is crucial because I think as, as poor old human beings, it's it's almost impossible now. Well, it probably is already impossible for us to to really to keep on top of all of the information that, that we're asked and, and all of the systems that we're we're tasked with keeping running. So um, absolutely. So well, uh, let's let's jump a little bit more into this kind of idea of digital experience monitoring. I say it's kind of a new phrase for me, something that I've, I've come across over over the last few weeks and and really something i wanted to explore so um so why don't we set some context really for for the people who are listening to the show you know what what do we mean or what's your view of, of this idea of digital experience monitoring what is it what, what are we monitoring sure so it's not it's i mean we, it has a new name digital experience monitoring in the old days it was called end user monitoring and uh it's really the focus or the principle of it is monitoring the outcome of something. And so it's not about monitoring CPUs, memories, and whatnot. It's about monitoring, can somebody do X, right? And that's all we care about is, can that person do X? And so in my, going back to my old days at DoubleClick, we had an outage, and I walk into our network operation center, and uh, they, were, they were chilling. They were having a good day. It's like, I, you guys, everything okay? It's like, yeah, everything is good. The network is fine. The inside, the servers, the databases, I mean, everything was blinking green. But from the outside, the end users that were visiting our, our customers' website were not getting ads, right? So we were losing revenue. We were, um, the advertisers that gave us money to, uh, to, to publish those ads, it wasn't working. So obviously, I'm sure we made some of these websites faster and less annoying, but that's beside the point. The point is, you were, we were monitoring from the inside. We were making sure that everything that we had control over was working. However, the customers, the consumers were not getting the final product. The outcome for us was to deliver an ad and that outcome was not working. So end user based monitoring is the ability to continuously test uh, proactively. So without, without relying on that end user to tell you if there is a problem or not and to mimic what that end user does to see if that outcome is going to work. So can I buy something online? Can I purchase an airline ticket? Can I do a DNS query? Can I make a call to a CDN? The, all of those things are, are, are end user based. So you think about it from an outcome rather than CPU systems, networks, that kind of stuff. So we try to give a picture whether or not um, that thing that the end user is going to should receive is working or not. And I think you made right actually right at the beginning of, of kind of that that introduction there is um, a, a really key point. I think it's a it's a huge shift in the way that we are looking at technology increasingly across the enterprise, and that's this idea of looking at outcome. You know, so rather than being focused on you know, I think it's a great example actually that we can walk into a data center, all of the lights are green, all of the servers are uh, buzzing um, or virtually buzzing at least, you know, buzzing yeah. in the way that that you expect them to. But actually, the, the the end goal, the outcome that you're supposed to be delivering, is is not meeting, uh, not meeting expectation. And and I mean, is that something you're starting to see that enterprises now are starting to increasingly recognise the importance of outcome as opposed to getting lost in the, the technology stack? So yes, and the reason why, Paul, is first, I believe that we live in an, in an, in the outcome economy these days. Um, everybody is all about outcomes um, and also it's all about customer experience you see every major company in the world 
uh, spend an enormous amount of money on, on customer experience. And that can mean a lot of things to different people, whether it should be able to do surveys, how, you, how was your experience with a customer support rep, how was your experience in a shop, how was your experience placing an order. But when you think about it, it's already too late, right? Because you're doing that way down the funnel that the user already did something. And so what we do is we are on the... Uh, very high uh, in the food chain we're trying to make sure that we catch those problems before but so, and that's what the, the digital experience monitoring is so so the outcomes are important and the reason why they're even more important to monitor is because when you think about it today a website let's just focus on a, on a typical website that sells airline tickets um, so you you probably are using they're probably using one or two content distribution networks they are probably using one or two DNS providers. They are probably either hosted themselves or a combination of themselves and a, and a cloud provider of some sort. There is probably a third-party payment gateway in the middle. And, and, and there is some ads. There is some retargeting, uh, tracking uh, pixels. So you, basically, the ecosystem that makes a web page look like it, it looks is very, very complex. And each one, any of those things can go, uh, can break. And so, and it's not in your control. So even if you monitor the CPU, memory, application, tracing of your apps, the majority of the stuff that makes that web page is coming outside of what you control as, as a technologist of that website or that company. And so by monitoring from the outside, uh, monitoring that end user experience, you have actually the ability to touch everything that makes that web application work and you can catch problems. So we had an example with the customer of ours that literally was in the airline uh, business and they were using a content distribution network. And if you know how those things work, it's hundreds of thousands of servers all around the world, closer to the user, so close to the edge. And one of those servers had a JavaScript that was corrupt, impossible to find. And it only happened for people that were in the Seattle area. So if they were not monitoring from Seattle, pretending to be a user, hitting that website, they would have never known about it. Well, they would, but it would have been on Twitter, <laughs> which is not a good outcome, right? Yeah, and I, I was interested in that, that, that kind of explanation of the problem as well. You know, I mean, we often use that phrase, looking for a needle in a haystack. Uh, but I feel needle in a haystack would probably be easier uh, than... <laughs> These days, yes, I agree with you. Actually, um, I have a slide that, that talks about this. It's, we went from looking for a, a needle in a haystack to finding a needle in multiple clouds. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting the way you, you describe that, because uh, one of the things we talked about before we started recording was that, you know, maybe traditionally, uh, you know, if I, I work in an enterprise that's public facing, customer facing in the way you describe, you know, with that idea of end user monitoring, customer monitoring is perhaps not that new um, because we're used to the idea that the users are uh, maybe hitting our website and that, 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 that online presence may be driven by multiple channels of services, you know, our, our own website, a back-end payment, a back-end banking system, a customer records management system, all of those kind of things. But you were talking about before as well that 
one of the changes you're starting to see is this idea of that moving inside of the organization as well because so much of what we do as end users inside of an organization is almost driven the same way as more of us are using uh, cloud services as you know we're, we're putting things in salesforce we're using office 365 you know is that is that an increasing change is that having to change the way you think as well absolutely so it, it started about two years ago where um, we saw an increase in customer demands about monitoring uh, the employee experience. And, and uh, we, I had this interaction with the CIO, and uh, she said that she went home, and she said, Alexa, turn on the light, and it worked. And, uh, but then she goes uh, to the office the next day after spending $2 million on a video conferencing system, and they spent 45 minutes of the first uh, of the meeting trying to get it to work, right? So what, what you're seeing, Paul, is you're seeing a customization of internal IT between bring your own device, uh, you give the freedom to employees to use whatever tool they need and they want to be able to, uh, to, 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 to get the job done, so we're seeing that increase. Now, if I am the CIO of a company, and we see it even at Catchpoint where we have 245 employees and we use 130 SaaS applications, right? And, and we need to provide the best availability, the best reliability, the best performance of those things even though we don't control them anymore. They're not running in a, my data center. It's running on Salesforce, it's running on Microsoft data centers, it's Slack, it's Teams, it's, it's, it's a mess. And, uh, but the CIO still has to deliver uh, and still has to hold, be a, actually the CIO is being held to delivering a great employee experience and it's a challenge. So we're seeing a big trend towards how do we, how do we get ahead of that? How do we catch uh, and and uh, catch problems very quickly for those employee experiences, and basically hold those vendors accountable. So there is a there is a service level management aspect to it as well that is extremely important. You know, when you have a big company that spends ten million dollars with Office three sixty five or with Salesforce, when you have a hundred thousand employees on Office three sixty five, that's a pretty significant budget. But how do you hold Microsoft accountable? Yeah, and I think I, mean, I think it raises a really interesting point as well because one of the things why he was describing that that's kind of going through my mind and and and, and say so we were talking before we we, uh, we started recording today about I've had a little bit of experience in, it's kind of similar to this in in uh, some some different areas of, of what I do um, and one of the questions that often comes back in this is almost that question of so what uh, you know we we talk about we can see from a end user customer point of view that yeah we you know because like he was saying before we that that asking how your experience was after the fact is probably too late because if the experience was poor that customer may well have gone and bought a service from somebody else but from an internal point of view you know what what are if, if somebody's listening to this and saying yeah but why would i bother you know they they know office 365 might go down you know slack might be a bit slow uh, you, you kind of hinted there to to some of the demands that are placed on a cio for delivering these services well so so what are some of the impacts you see when people actually ignore this kind of internal end user customer experience sure yeah and, and i i have some really uh, some real examples actually from some of uh, i'll keep the names of these customers anonymous um so we had this uh, very big retail, very big retail company in the U.S. They have uh, call centers uh, in about uh, 15 markets, and uh, they use a big CRM solution. And that CRM solution had a problem, uh, but they didn't know 
and anyway, so the CRM had an issue. The problem by, by so what is they didn't detect the problem quickly enough. They had the employees come into the call center. They arrived at the call center. Most of them drove for about 45 an hour to the call centers. Um, and, uh, and they got in there and they couldn't do anything. In the meantime, the phones are ringing through the hooks. Uh, customers are calling them, et cetera, et cetera. And they're not able to do their job. Now, if they had a solution that would catch those problems early on, they would have been able to tell those employees to work from home. So that's one, so what? Another one is uh, call centers. Uh, again, the call center in industry is full of these examples because this is also an industry that is highly uh, outsourced. And so you outsource your call center to an organization. Uh, they use a phone system from company A, they use uh, an SD-WAN, they use VPNs, they use all kinds of things. And so every time that there is a problem that is impacting one of these applications, whether it's billing or uh, an email or whatever, the so what is, it's not just like people cannot send emails to each other. It's actually you're impacting your company's productivity towards their external customers. If you cannot place an order or if you cannot fulfill an order because some tool is down internally, that has a problem from a customer perspective. Um, and, and so and so forth. So there are a lot of issues. So we had one customer that had a call center in the Philippines. Um, they, uh, they were outsourcing that and they were about to add another 100 agents to that call center. And all they kept hearing on Twitter and on when they, were, when they would do uh, customers, uh, customer um, ratings is like every time we ended up on that call center, it was a horrible user experience. So they were about, they thought it was a capacity problem. So they wanted to add a hundred bodies to there. And when in fact, all it was, it was a network issue. So they had some really bad networking equipment and packet loss back to the US. And by solving that problem, they increased the customer satisfaction. They didn't have to add those hundred people. So the so what is saving of one, I mean, for that particular customer, it was a $1.3 million a month in savings. So the so what adds up and it adds up to a lot of dollars. And when you think about productivity, it's huge. The other thing as well is, and this is something I, I, I experienced personally at Catchpoint where we have a lot of young employees um, that are very, very impatient when it comes to latency, right? So I can, I can, I can deal with the two second, three second, five second latency. Um, these guys at one millisecond, it's too slow. And uh, what happens is the employees actually don't like to come to work in a for a company where the IT, the internal IT systems are not performing as well as when they go home and they use Amazon and Netflix because they're used to that level of speed of great customer experience and they demand the same from inside. So the so what on that part would be employee that dissatisfaction and that's, that's big. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. So, you know, and something you said again right at the start of that was that this idea of what we've got used to, and actually, you kind of ended bookended that in in the same way. You know, we we are so used to we go to Netflix, we click I want to watch that movie or that TV show, and it just appears. You know, we go to a smartphone, we click in the store and say I want that application, and it just works. Um, but you know, I, I thought some brilliant examples in there actually of, of proper 
business and commercial impact. You know, this is not just about users being able to get online a little bit quicker. This is costing money, you know, that $1.3 million a month example. This is potentially losing customers because they always get a poor experience, actually because the internal systems aren't good enough. So so I think some, some really fascinating things there for, for people to consider. Um, so, you know, as, as we kind of, um, you know, could come to the, 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 the end of, of what we're talking about here, you know, what, what are some of the things that for organizations and so if somebody's listening to this and saying actually you know that's a that's a really interesting area you know what what kind of ways can people go about dealing with this and, and be more effective in a way that they look at that kind of end user experience whether that's customer or whether that's internal employee what, what are some of the tips what are some of the building blocks that they need that's a great question Paul so first I would say that customer experience employee experience these are not IT things right this this is company-wide uh, the so you have to make sure that as a company you're aligned around what is it that we want to deliver as a customer experience uh, from a customer experience to, to our customers or to our employees. So make sure that we have certain goals. Uh, I always start with goals. So for example, should we reduce our uh, downtime from 99.9% this year to 99.99, for example? Should we improve our performance from uh, 500 milliseconds to 200 milliseconds? So start with a big goal, right? And then understand what it's going to mean from a business perspective. Then find the right tools that allow you to measure that and baseline the data and then come up with a set of, uh, because it's, you know, you're going to discover some, some bad stuff, I'm assuming maybe, and then come up with a list of fixes um, or things to improve on, then get some results. And then you can basically prove to the rest of the company that, hey, we've made this small investment, we've improved something by whatever percentage, and oh, by the way, look at the business outcome of that. So I, I've worked with so many companies that have done this at this scale versus let's go and you know, try to climb to the Kilimanjaro uh, day one, right? That doesn't work. Uh, I think finding one, attaching yourself to one outcome and improving that outcome and showing what it means from both the technology and the business perspective can be huge. And that's, that's how I would do it. Um, is tying the business and the technology metrics together. Yeah. Uh, well, again, you make a great point as well about this idea of um, making sure that you are uh, focusing on outcomes. So, you know, you are looking at those kind of things that say, yeah, actually, as a business, do we need to be able to be more responsive to our customers or do we need to, you know, it, it, it's focusing on that, not focusing on, oh, here's a really cool technology that lets me do stuff. Right. Uh, let me just deploy it. Um, so, you know, and, and, and is it important within there that we have some level of intelligence in a, any kind of tooling that we look at, you know, so it can help us more quickly pinpoint where we might be having problems or are we just throwing lots of information at, a, at an analyst within a company right. to say, go figure that out. Right. So I have a, I have a very strong uh, opinion on that. Uh, I hope you, you, you allow me to express it. You go for it. Thank you. So, you know, I've, I've dealt with very large monitoring systems, obviously, from my previous life. And even here at Catchpoint, we collect so many, uh, so, so many metrics and it's not even funny. But what I tell customers and what saved my, my, uh, my career at DoubleClick in the sense of allowed me to progress and, and have, have more outcomes is because I, somebody told me I had this, um, this PhD in, in, in math and my team. And he said, you know, numbers are here to answer questions. 
So you can collect all the numbers and then try to find something in those things, or you start by asking yourself a question, what, what is it that I'm looking for? And then pick the metrics to answer that question, right? So it's, it's thinking about it from a different perspective. I see a lot of people that just collect a lot of data and then they try to find something versus, no, this is what I'm looking for. Let me collect the right data that fits in that to answer that question and then get use the data to answer the question. Uh, so for example, uh, we are having customers are telling us that we're having problems in China. Okay, so I'm going to start collecting data from China. I don't care about Pakistan. I don't care about India. I care about China. So collect the data from China. Okay, what am I looking for? What are they complaining about? Are they complaining that the website uh, doesn't load in more than or doesn't load in less than 16 seconds okay so I'm going to start looking for how many outliers I have above 16 seconds and so on and so forth I'm making this very simple because it's 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 not but it can be as simple as that right but it's uh, you know otherwise otherwise you collect a lot of data then you have to buy other tools to sift through the data automatically and then it's a race to where I don't know uh, you know, so I, I, I prefer to use the data to answer questions. Yeah, and I think, I, I think actually that's a great example of, because um, I think it's something we see a lot in that we hear lots of businesses talk about analytics and, you know, particularly today, you know, we, 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 lots of us are looking at, well, we should be doing big data analytics and we should be getting information out of feeding it into AWS and see what they come back or feeding it into Google Cloud and seeing what, what useful information comes back. But actually, you, you, you're absolutely right in that this has to start the other way. What questions am I looking to answer? And then define how you go about answering it. So, but you know, before we wrap up here, one one thing I would like to kind of understand a little bit as well is: so we we started this off by you know you introducing Catchpoint, and you know you you do work in this space. So, so how does Catchpoint go around helping the enterprises that they that you work with to solve some of these problems that we've talked about? Sure. So on the so we look at the market uh, in, in from two angles. One is uh, the employee experience, and one is the customer experience. So on the customer experience, we have uh, we we have this methodology that is always based on two principles. One is a proactive approach, and one is on the reactive approach. So on the proactive approach, customers can use and rely on 800. We have about 830 locations around the world that are, think about them like digital mystery shoppers, these robots that can pretend to be an end user and perform whatever action you want, whether it's to do a business transaction, buy something, do a DNS, uh, look at network, look at BGP, all kind of stuff. Uh, so ensure that whatever outcome you care about is working. And uh, you can do that from literally uh, 830 locations in China, in the US, in, uh, any, in the UK, anywhere in the world. And then we have a real user monitoring, which is a, a JavaScript beacon that collects every single user interaction and gives you that baseline, that perspective. The combination of the two allows you to be very proactive and also understand the impact uh, from a user perspective when you catch a problem or when you make a change because problems always happen usually after a change and then we have the same on the employee experience where the same robot that sits outside can also sit inside the company in a different format a container a virtual machine a physical box and that can basically monitor salesforce office 365 etc and then we have an endpoint solution that sits on the browsers, on the desktop computers, 
that collects the interaction of those users with those SaaS services and can tell you, hey, John or computer ABC is having a problem in the Dublin office and it's because the Wi-Fi or it's because there is packet loss on the Office 365 data center kind of thing. Um, and again, the outcomes is, for me, the biggest outcome when people tell me, okay, Mary, what, that, what do you really do is we save time because I think all the IT professionals we work with from a CIO down cares about mean time to repair and mean time to repair is an equation. It's detection, identification, escalation, fix and validation. And my job and the job of all of us here at Catchpoint is how can we work and providing solutions that can shrink that mean time to repair through better detection, better identification, better escalation. I can't help with the fixing, but also better validation. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's a huge part in what you're saying there as well about the um, the ability for, as an IT team within an enterprise, the ability to be proactive in that space as well, to kind of see those problems. So actually, when your end user rings up, you're no longer saying to the end user, well, all the green lights are on in my data center. Right. You you know those problems are coming and, and you know, and that must be great for a, an end user that they phone the service desk and the service desk says, yep, I'm already aware, Fred, of, of the challenge that you're going through and I've already identified some of the areas right. and, and we're working on that. You know, that's a... What you said, Paul, at the end is very important. I mean, take ourselves from being in, in the IT world, et cetera, just because look at ourselves as, as some consumer of something. There is a lot to be said psychologically when you call on some, someone because you're having a problem and that person says, thank you very much, I am already aware of it and I'm already working on it and we'll notify you when it's fixed. Versus you, feeling that you're the, the first one to tell them that you found a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, and having to tell five people the same thing uh, every time right. you call back as right. well. <laughs> it, it really, it shakes your, your, your trust in that company or that group or whatever. I mean, me as a, as a person, as an individual, I feel the, every, the, the same way every time I'm, I'm telling somebody, hey, you know, I, you know your, your system is down or, or whatnot. Well, look, my dear, I mean, we're getting to the end now here. So, uh, you know, I've taken up a, a lot of your busy day already, uh, but I do genuinely think this is a fascinating topic and something that organizations increasingly need to be looking at. And I, and I don't think enough of them all, already are, because I, I think for all the reasons you've talked about, there's this huge value in this space. Um, so if people have been interested in kind of what you've been talking about and want to understand a little bit more about either what Catchpoint are doing or, you know, may, maybe how they can find out more about you or, or you know, whether you're, you know, blogging or on Twitter or anything like that you know what, what's a good place to one find out more about Catchpoint maybe find out about more about the services and systems you offer sure and what's a good place to kind of hunt you down if they've, they've got <laughs> questions absolutely so you can find a lot about uh, what we do on catchpoint.com we have an amazing blog that has a lot of resources and content that is not uh, that is educational uh, because I, we believe that we have to play a very important role in, in that. We're actually just launching our SRE survey for 2020. If anybody is interested, please feel free to visit our website and fill that. I am on Twitter, uh, mdaudi, M-D-A-O-U-D-I, LinkedIn. Um, you know, you can reach us. Uh, we're all available. We all would love to talk to people about customer experience, employee experience, and uh, you can try out the product uh, on our website. Well, that's brilliant. And I'll make sure all of that goes into the show notes um, because I think it's a, you know, genuinely a fascinating topic. So, um, so Mehdi, look, I, I you know, really appreciate your time today. I think, you know, we've, we've covered some really interesting areas there. So uh, thanks for being on the show and look forward to speaking to you again soon.
My pleasure, Paul. I'm going to now hunt the streets of Boston and try to find some Liverpool fans. <laughs> uh, well, uh, there's, there's loads of them around right now. So, um, <laughs> so uh, hey, Mehdi, but, but thanks. Have a great day and uh, Thank speak you, to you again sir. soon. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you've got an idea for the show or would like to appear as a guest on Tech Interviews, why not email me at podcast at techstringy.com. And if you do enjoy the show and want to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes, why not subscribe? You can find us in all good homes of podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. So until next time, thanks for listening.